Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Then it says, nor can he. No, he can't even. If he wanted to understand it, he couldn't. And so God, don't waste your time explaining biblical things. Share him the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. For the Jew, that would be the religious and the Greek, just the pagan, the, the, the raunchy pagan. God says, just share the gospel. The power for salvation is in that message. Every Christian ought to know it. Every Christian ought to be equipped to share it and willing to share it. Like Paul said, man, I'm ready to come to you guys and share the gospel because I know it's the power of God and the salvation. Are you willing to share the good news of Jesus with those around you? Today, you'll learn from Pastor Bill's message to be bold in sharing the gospel message of Christ. If you think about it, someone was brave enough to share it with you. So don't keep the message of saving grace to yourself. Pastor Bill encourages you that when the Holy Spirit prompts you to share with someone to be faithful in doing so, God is in the business of transforming and saving lives. Join him in this great mission. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We need to know where we're weak. We need to be accountable where we're weak. We want to be getting strengthened where we're weak. And so, because that's where you're going to get hit, where you're weak. So everybody can consider, man, where am I weak at? Some people lie about it. You know, I'm, I'm strong. You got to get tore up, you know. You need to be honest about it. You need to know where your weaknesses are and be honest about them, be accountable for them so that you don't get knocked out in your area of weakness. Um, so moving on. Again, Paul's I'm, I'm, I'm making mention of you guys always in my prayers. And verse 10, making requests. If by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. And I underline that phrase, I may find a way in the will of God. Paul said, I really, really, really want to come to you guys. But I want you to notice how he prays because it's a good example for us. He's I'm, 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 I really want to come. And I'm making requests. But if by some means now at last or finally I can find a way in the will of God to come to you. We, I think we know, most of us know that prayer is not our getting God to do what we want. You know, the goal of prayer is not to get God to give us what we want. The goal of prayer is that we get aligned with the Lord. So some people pray wrong. Some people, there are churches right now that will tell you, um, you got to just, you got to just tell, you got to just confess it. You got to just proclaim it, declare it, decree it. I'm telling you, that's all bogus. Paul ain't declaring, Paul, Paul didn't say, I declare that I'm going to Rome. Did he do that? Did he confess, I'm going to Rome? He said, no, I'm, 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 I'm praying. Look, you hear how humble he sounds? I'm, this is Paul the apostle. You really don't get no bigger. And he's saying, I'm looking for a way in the will of God to come to Rome. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we're, look, we're, God, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The goal of prayer is getting God's will done. So you be careful about who you watching on TV and these ministers got you praying wrong. You better not tell God what to do. Like he's like you directing God. Think about that. Any of you guys, kids come to you and say, mom, get in there and make me something. I declare. <laughs> think about that. Your kids can't talk to you like that. How are you going to talk to your heavenly father like that? How much sense does that make? How dumb is that? I get mad about that. Because like, then people start doing it and they start telling God. And I'm like, you better ask. He's God. He's holy. He's powerful. He created the heavens and the earth. He made you. You can't tell him. 
You don't know everything. He knows everything. So when you come, you better come humbly. God, I, based on what I can see, this seems like it would be really good. But if it's if you know if you see something more than what I see, God, your will be done. Would you just guide me? Lord, I really would like this to happen. I, I'd love for this job to come through. I'd love for this door to open. Lord, it's my desire this. And I'm yielding my desire to your will, Lord, just whatever your will. If you see something I don't see because you see everything, then, Lord, your will be done. That's what you do. That's how you pray. Paul said, I really, really want to go to Rome, but I'm only looking for a way in the will of God. I don't want to go if it's not in the will of God. That's how we want to live our life. I, don't, I want this really bad if it's God's will. You might be single and you might have met somebody and it might seem like, it's, oh, this could be <laughs> God, could you just make this your will? Could you just, could it just be your will, Lord? Uh, but hey, you only want it if it's in the will of God, right? So you don't pray, you don't declare, you don't say, God, I claim her. <laughs> I, I love y'all. You know, don't claim them. Don't claim them. Don't declare them. Just God, no God, because I, from what I see, they look, they look pretty awesome. But from what you see, if you don't say the same, could you just give her brother a heads up? Uh, would you let me know? But if you say the saying, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd really like to move forward with this. But you pray like that. God only want what you want. Um, Paul gives us a great example here of prayer. God, if I can find a way in the will of God, my desire, I really want to go. But if it's your will, right? The Bible tells us when you pray, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, right? Tell God what you want. It's okay. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be in a rush. Let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And, you know, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. And it says, in the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, your intellect and your emotions through Christ Jesus. So if you're emotionally led, God says, don't be anxious. Don't, don't make a decision today. Pray. I'll guard your emotions. I got you. If you're an intellect, you'd be overanalyzing and coming up with 50 different ways to do one thing. God says, I got you too. As you pray, I'm going to guard your intellect. I'm going to protect you. And I'll give you a piece about what my will is for you if you pray. That's, that's at our disposal as believers. We could ask God and God say, I'll, I'll override your weaknesses. I'll override your emotional weaknesses. I'll override your intellectual overthinking weaknesses because you took time out to pray. And I'll let you know, I'll give you a piece about what my will is. And God will also allow there to not be a peace about things that are not of him. And so there are things that as you pray, you just relax. I say, I, I, I'm okay with this. I got peace about it. There are other times you pray and God's like, I, I prayed about some things and God said, that's okay. It's good. It's all right. Relax. And there are other things I prayed about and God was like, no, no, it's not okay. Bad. Don't do it. It's a no. And if I don't have peace, I'm, it's, it's a no. Everybody might not like it and people feelings might get hurt, and, but it's okay. I got peace with God. That's the most important peace of all. Amen. So moving on. Paul said, if I can find a way in the will of God to come to you guys, I really want to come. Verse 11, for I long to see you that, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. And something real cool here, Paul says, I'm looking forward to coming to you guys. And Paul recognizes there's a supernatural exchange when believers come together. Paul says, I want to impart some things to you guys. Some spiritual gift to you guys. But I'm also looking forward to being encouraged together by our mutual faith. This is why it's so important that the church comes together. Some people try to do this isolated. You know, I just do church on my own. You know, I, I got my own personal relationship with the Lord. I'm going to just, me at home, me and my, my family, we'll open the Bible at home. You guys know that this is supposed to happen. 
that you're supposed to have your private thing at home, but you're supposed to gather together with other believers. Because when we gather together like this, there's supernatural exchange. There are going to be days where you come in and you don't even prepare for it or know that it's going to happen. But you come and someone's talking to you and you're talking to them and God gives you something for them. Or you're just being there to love on somebody on a particular time is ministering to them. And there'll be other days where you come in and it's coming the other way, coming back at you. God's ministering to you through the body. I've had times where I remember one particular Thursday where it was a particularly rough day. There was warfare. I was beat down and it was a Thursday night church service. And, you know, I don't get the call out. I don't get to say, you know what, today (laughs) I'm just going to go to bed. You know, it's like I'm going to be there. And I remember getting there and it was just rough. It was I was battling that particular day. And I got there and then the worship team came and they started practicing songs. And just as they started practicing songs, the Lord, he met me through practice. Just just one of the songs, some of the words. Usually when I hear music, I start singing along and them singing a song made me sing a few words of the same song. And God was like, that's it right there. Just just snap me out of everything I was dealing with. And I was ministered to. I'm saying afterwards, fellowshipping with some of the guys and just minister to. And so when we come together, it's so important that we spend time, that we hang out with believers because it's an exchange. We give, we receive. It goes back and forth. We don't go just to give. We don't just go to get. There's a supernatural exchange when the body of Christ comes together. So Paul says, hey, I'm looking forward to come that I may impart to you guys some gift that you might be established. But I'm also looking forward to the mutual, our mutual faith. I'm looking forward to coming together with you guys. Um, but I'm going to be encouraged, too, by our mutual faith. It will encourage one another. Verse 13. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you, just as among um, among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Paul says, I want you guys to know that I, I've, I've tried to come multiple times, but I kept being hindered. And we know from other places in Scripture that there are times when the enemy can hinder. If you're writing notes, write down 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. I'm going to read it to you real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Paul writing here, 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. Paul said, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Paul says, I was trying, when he's talking to the Thessalonians, I was trying to come to you guys, but Satan himself hindered us. As we come back to Romans, Paul said, look, I, I, I tried many times. I've often planned to come to you, but I was hindered until now. And two ways that we can be hindered. We can be hindered because God is blocking it. God is shutting the door. God is saying, not right now. Time is wrong. Um, but we can also be hindered because the enemy is hindering. And what do we do and how do we know the difference, Right. What do we do if we're hindered? I, God, I feel like this is what you want me to do and I'm moving in a direction, but I keep hitting the wall. Two things. One, most important, you keep praying. Because the Bible says that God opens doors that no man shuts. And he shuts doors that no man opens. So if I keep hitting the door, then I want to keep praying. Lord, the door is shut, but you open doors no man shut. And so I, I'm going to pray that you open the door if it's your will. Um, we've been praying for a, a permanent location for a church building. Uh, we're still praying for a permanent location for a church building. Up until now, just kind of shut doors. And I just continue to pray that rather it's not his timing or rather it's the enemy saying, nope, I want to keep this from happening. What are we to do? Keep praying. And until God says no, then we keep moving forward. And I keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking and wait on the Lord to to do what God said he's going to do um, in his timing. And so 
but you don't want to quit. Um, sometimes people get discouraged. And like, I've been praying for this for five years. I said, I fasted for a whole week and prayed about that. Nothing happened, so I quit. You guys remember Daniel? Daniel started fasting and praying, and it took 21 days. 21 days he fasted and prayed. And then the, the messenger of God came to him and said, you know, you know, on the first day you started praying, I was sent out. But I was in, there was a war in the unseen realm. I was battling with the prince of, of Persia. I was, I was up there battling. I was doing spiritual battle was happening. So what if Daniel would have said, you know, I've been fasting. I mean, he, was, he wasn't just praying every day for 21 days. He also was not eating. So that's kind of a big deal, you know. I mean, if I fasted for 10 days, nothing happened. <laughs> I mean, I'm, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm withering away, you know what I mean? Nothing's happening yet. But 21 days he prayed, and when the, when the messenger finally got to him, he said, I was, I was sent forth on the first day, but it's been a war. So Daniel's an example of persisting in prayer. He kept praying, and it got done. God's will was accomplished. So maybe you've been praying for something for a long time. Don't be discouraged. If God hasn't said, because God does answer us. God will say yes. God will say no. And then the feared wait. But he'll answer you. And some things God has said no. When God says no, don't ask no more. It's kind of like a parent. You know, if you, mom, can we go? to No. Don't ask. Don't, you know, and I know when I was growing up, you didn't go ask again. Not the same way. You had to rephrase the question. <laughs> you said, mom, can we go to the park? No. All right. Um, mom, um, uh, can I go outside? <laughs> I don't ask, don't say the word park again. You know, you don't ask again when God says no. But if you go and they say, well, wait, okay, I'll be back in five seconds. Can we go now? You know, uh, that's kind of what kids do, but you wait. Um, God will say no. If he says no, you got to let it go. Not, God, not God's will. If God says yes, you plow forward. And sometimes God says wait. And we don't like to wait, but waiting is, is, uh, is part of the process of being a believer. But here, Paul said, man, I've been, I've been trying to come to you guys, but I kept being hindered. But he finally does get to go. And verse 14 now, Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach to you the gospel. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. So Paul says, man, I'm a debtor. And he says, everybody, I'm a debtor to the barbarian. I'm a debtor to the Greek. Paul sees his life. Man, I owe you guys. I owe it to people. I'm a debtor. I owe it to them to give them the gospel. I owe it to this group to give them the gospel. I am a debtor. Because of how I live my life, I owe it to people. Paul was one that in his unsaved life, he was hardcore. He went, he was, he was about that life. Paul was going all out with the stuff he was doing. So Paul said, now that I'm saved, I owe it to you guys. I got I to gotta bring it. I got to come to you guys with the gospel. I tell you guys all the time, it's a shame when some of us were in the world and, I mean, we were, man, we were, whatever you were doing in the world, you did that. I mean, you did it. You were good at it. Whatever you did. And then we come to Christ and it's like, okay, I'm just, well, now you're all timid. Now you're afraid. Now you don't want to do nothing. And, and, and you, well, I want to make sure I know what I'm doing. You didn't do that in the world. In the world, we just was going for it. You know, I, the, I knew people in the world that whatever they were doing, they were good. I knew guys that they were weed smokers. They were good at it. They rolled a joint look just like a cigarette from the pack. I mean, they, they practiced it till they had it down to a science. Um, they were good at it. Um, I was a drinker, driver, you know, and some other things I was in. I was good at what I did. I practiced it. It wouldn't be right to come to Christ and now be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to just kind of take a casual approach to my walk with the Lord. No, I got to get good at this. 
I was sharing vocally the message of the world when I was in the world. I was persuading people to do the things I thought they ought to do in the world. Now I'm saved. I got to do the same thing. I can't hold back. Paul said, man, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to the, to the barbarians, to the Greeks, to the wise, to the unwise. And Paul says, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. That phrase, I am ready. One of the books I read said that this summarizes Paul's ministry. Here in Romans 1.15, Paul said, I'm ready to preach. In Acts 21, when Paul was confronted with a suffering that was to come, Paul said, I'm ready to suffer and, and even to die. Um, in 2 Corinthians 10, 6, Paul said, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do a difficult work of correction and, and ministering to people like that. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul said, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 6, Paul said, I'm ready to die. Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever God has for me. I'm ready. And that's the position we want to be. And that's the attitude we want to catch on as believers. God, whatever you have for me, I'm ready. I'm ready to go for you, Lord. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to work hard. And eventually, if we walk with the Lord, we'll be ready to die. I don't know. Nobody's here shouting, I'm ready to die today. But when your time comes, you'll be ready. You walk with the Lord, you will be ready to die. You walk with him and serve him with all your heart when the time comes. Whenever it does come, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. It's like Paul said. Paul's in, in prison knowing he's about to die. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready to die. Did, I did all the things God gave me to do. I think I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready to go to heaven. And receive my reward, receive my crown. What a glorious way to die since he had to die anyway, to go knowing he was ready. Uh, last two verses, this key verse, everybody should have it highlighted. This is one of the verses you want to memorize and, and just have it so deep into your heart. Romans 1.16, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for, the, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and after that, the Greek, or and also for the Greek. And this is the idea. Paul said, look, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people are ashamed of the gospel. We should not be. Paul says, now I've been changed by this message. I've been saved by this message. This message, I'm, I'm ready to preach it to you guys. Paul said, I am not ashamed of this message. And he goes on to explain why. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes it, for the Jew first and after that, the Greek. He said, look, anybody that believes this message can be saved. It's not a it's not a racial message. It's not for this group and not that group. Uh, it went out first to the Jews, but then it spread out and went to the Gentiles. He said, everybody that believes this message can be saved. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, the power of God for salvation is in this message. And so I encourage you guys. That's why we're doing the evangelism training classes that as we prepare to share the gospel and we prepare to be a witness and a light. The power is in the message of the gospel. I, I discourage people from getting into debates with people that don't know the Lord yet about stuff that's in the Bible. I'm not going to discuss with some non-believer the origin of the world. Well, you know, you uh, the Big Bang and what God, you don't, you, the Bible says that the natural man does not, he, he does not receive the things of the spirit of God. Then it says, nor can he. No, he can't even, if he wanted to understand it, he couldn't. And so, God, don't waste your time explaining biblical things. Share him the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. For the Jew, that would be the religious and the Greek. This is the pagan, the, the, the raunchy pagan. God says, just share the gospel. The power for salvation is in that message. Every Christian ought to know it. Every Christian ought to be equipped to share it and willing to share it. Like Paul said, man, I'm ready to come to you guys and share the gospel because I know it's the power of God and the salvation. 
This is the message that people are, lives are changed, hearts are transformed. This is the message that takes people out of drugs, out of lascivious lifestyles. It brings them out of bondage. It changes hearts. This is the message right here that changes lives. Um, I never go to non-believers and start talking to them about a particular sin that they're in. You shouldn't do drugs. Why not? They ain't saved. You, should, you shouldn't drink like that. Why not? You shouldn't be fornicating. Why not? Somebody not saved? Like, why not? Like, there, there's nothing inside them saying, don't do it. Why shouldn't they do it? It's, it's only because for me, it's only when I got saved that I said, man, I, I got it. That's when the Holy Spirit lived inside me. That's when I began to be convicted about my wrong behavior. And I, I can remember every time somebody tried to tell me about my sins when I wasn't saved. I remember what it felt like. I felt like they should mind their business. I felt like an aunt telling me, you know, well, you shouldn't you shouldn't be drinking like that. Why not? I bet you did. That's what I, that's how, that was my mentality back then. You, you can't be shacking up with somebody. Why not? Stop all this driving I'm doing around, you know? So it, it, in my mind, it didn't make sense. As soon as I got saved, God was working from the inside out. You need to stop that. Now, I, no, nobody else saying I'm convicted. I'm saying, God, would you help me stop this? Lord, I need to stop that behavior. Would you help me? And so we want to share the gospel with people and then God will start working from the inside out. They'll be coming to you saying, hey, how did you stop doing that? You know, how did you how did you get victory over that? And then you start walking them through how God brought you into victory. But you never want to be going to people that are not born again and putting born again rules on them. You know, it, 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 you know, they're, they're, in our culture, there are people that have certain rules on them, you know, that everybody else don't have. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I won't use that one. Um, I'll, I'll use athletes, professional athletes. You know, somebody is in a. Someone's a, a, an Olympic level runner where if you look at their regimen of what they eat and their workout regimen, it's bananas. It's crazy. The commitment they make to, to run for that one time every four years and hopefully win some. They live, and especially as it comes up to it, man, that what they eat, it's all regimented. I mean, it's, it's like it's, it's they're under another kind of thing. And so I, I could go to them. I mean, they're under that kind of rule. You couldn't ask me to eat like that. You know, you should eat like like Jesse Owens was eating. You eat that. <laughs> you work out like Jesse Owens. I mean, you know, I'm not Hussein Bolt. You know, you, you couldn't take his his lifestyle, his rule and say, Bill, you should do what he's doing. Nah, I'm not him. I'm not even trying to be him. You know, it just the two don't match up. That's what it's like when we try to put Christian principles on someone that's not born again yet. They're looking like even if I want to do it, I can't. Because when you get saved, the Bible says God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. To want to do and then to be able to do. So they don't even have that at work yet. They don't want to do it. And if they wanted to do it, they couldn't. And so you kind of put them in a real frustrating place when you put those things on them. So we want to share the gospel with people that don't know the Lord. Last verse, 17. It says, for in it, in the gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Quotation from Habakkuk 2.4. Again, in the gospel, in it, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And again, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Justification is a, a part, and we'll, we'll get more into that in the weeks to come, but it, it's our gift for those that have believed in Christ. He justifies us. It's been said that the word justified is just as if I never sinned. That's the condition and the position that God puts the believer in. And God's righteousness is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as we believe it's, it's revealed to us. His righteousness, it's also applied to us. And when it says that the just 
We shall live by faith. We, it's because we've been justified that now we live by faith. Because of what God has done for us, always keep that order that the believer is always responding to what God has done. Because of what God has done, now the just, we've been justified. We've made just because of what God did for us. Now we shall live by faith. Thankful for what we received. Now we live this way to the Lord. Do you ever start thinking about God's immense love for you and get lost in the amazement? He loved us enough to send his son to die in our place. But Paul, in his letter to the Romans, takes it even a step further when he says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't look at humanity and think we were doing such a great job on our own. He looked at us and saw that we were broken sinners, lost in rebellion, and he loved us anyway. If you haven't yet made the decision to follow him, know that he is looking at you and loving you. He loves you just the way you are today. If you like to learn what it means to follow him, you can call or text us at 310-245-4811. We love to walk you through the story of what God has done to offer you salvation. Once again, that phone number is 310-245-4811. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the Book of Romans in this series a book filled with wisdom and instructions for life. If you missed a message and want to go back, you can find all our messages on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab for links to YouTube and our mobile app. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you again. Meet us right here next time for another great message on A Transforming Word.